Chapter Fifty One of Barchester Towers by Anthony Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Nick Whitley, Purley, United Kingdom. Chapter Fifty One. Mister Slope bids farewell to the palace and its inhabitants. We must now take leave of Mister Slope and of the bishop also, and of Missus Proudie. These leave-takings in novels are as disagreeable as they are in real life. Not so sad, indeed, for they want the reality of sadness, but quite as perplexing and generally less satisfactory. What novelist, what Fielding, what Scott, what Chargesant, or Sue, or Dumas, can impart an interest to the last chapter of his fictitious history? Promises of two children and superhuman happiness are of no avail, nor assurance of extreme respectability carried to an age far exceeding that usually allotted to mortals. The sorrows of our heroes and heroines, they are your delight, O public. Their sorrows, or their sins, or their absurdities, not their virtues, good sense, and consequent rewards. When we begin to tint our final pages with couleur de rose, as in accordance with fixed rule we must do, we altogether extinguish our own powers of pleasing. When we become dull, we offend your intellect, and we must become dull, or we should offend your taste. A late writer, wishing to sustain his interest to the last page, hung his hero at the end of the third volume. The consequence was that no one would read his novel, and who can apportion out and dovetail his incidents, dialogues, characters, and descriptive morsels so as to fit them all exactly into 930 pages, without either compressing them unnaturally, or extending them artificially at the end of his labour, do I not myself know that I am at this moment in want of a dozen pages, and that I am sick with cudgelling my brains to find them? And then, when everything is done, the kindest-hearted critic of them all invariably twits us with the incompetency and lameness of our conclusion. We have either become idle and neglected it, or tedious and over-laboured it. It is insipid or unnatural, overstrained or imbecile. It means nothing, or attempts too much. The last scene of all, as all last scenes we fear must be, is second childishness and mere oblivion. Sans teeth, sans eyes, sans taste, sans everything. I can only say that if some critic who thoroughly knows his work, and has laboured on it till experience has made him perfect, will write the last fifty pages of a novel in the way they should be written, I, for one, will in future do my best to copy the example. Guided by my own lights only, I confess that I despair of success. For the last week or ten days Mr. Slope had seen nothing of Mrs. Proudie, and very little of the bishop. He still lived in the palace, 
and still went through his usual routine work but the confidential doings of the diocese had passed into other hands he had seen this clearly and marked it well but it had not much disturbed him he had indulged in other hopes till the bishop's affairs had become dull to him and he was moreover aware that as regarded the diocese mrs proudie had checkmated him it has been explained in the beginning of these pages how three or four were contending together as to who in fact should be bishop of barchester each of these had now admitted to himself or boasted to herself that mrs proudie was victorious in the struggle they had gone through a competitive examination of considerable severity and she had come forth the winner facile princeps mr slope had for a moment run her hard but it was only for a moment it had become as it were acknowledged that hiram's hospital should be the testing-point between them and now mr quiverful was already in the hospital the proof of mrs proudie's skill and courage all this did not break down mr slope's spirit because he had other hopes but alas at last there came to him a note from his friend sir nicholas informing him that the deanship was disposed of let us give mr slope his due he did not lie prostrate under this blow or give himself up to vain lamentations he did not henceforward despair of life and call upon gods above and gods below to carry him off he sat himself down in his chair counted out what monies he had in hand for present purposes and what others were coming in to him bethought himself as to the best sphere for his future exertions and at once wrote off a letter to a rich sugar refiner's wife in baker street who as he well knew was much given to the entertainment and encouragement of serious young evangelical clergymen he was again he said upon the world having found the air of a cathedral town and the very nature of cathedral services uncongenial to his spirit and then he sat a while making firm resolves as to his manner of parting from the bishop and also as to his future conduct at last he rose and twitched his mantle blue black to-morrow to fresh woods and pastures new having received a formal command to wait upon the bishop he rose and proceeded to obey it he rang the bell and desired the servant to inform his master that if it suited his lordship he mr slope was ready to wait upon him the servant who well understood that mr slope was no longer in the ascendant brought back a message saying that 
his lordship desired that mr slope would attend him immediately in his study mr slope waited about ten minutes more to prove his independence and then he went into the bishop's room there as he had expected he found mrs proudie together with her husband um, uh, mr slope pray take a chair said the gentleman bishop pray be seated mr slope said the lady bishop thank ye thank ye said mr slope and walking round to the fire he threw himself into one of the armchairs that graced the hearthrug mr slope said the bishop it has become necessary that i should speak to you definitively on a matter that has for some time been pressing itself on my attention may i ask whether the subject is in any way connected with myself said mr slope it is so certainly yes it certainly is connected with yourself mr slope then my lord if i may be allowed to express a wish i would prefer that no discussion on the subject should take place between us in the presence of a third person don't alarm yourself mr slope said mrs proudie no discussion is at all necessary the bishop merely intends to express his own wishes i merely intend mr slope to express my own wishes uh, no discussion will be at all necessary said the bishop reiterating his wife's words that is more my lord than we any of us can be sure of said mr slope i cannot however force mrs proudie to leave the room nor can i refuse to remain here if it be your lordship's wish that i should do so it is his lordship's wish certainly said mrs proudie mr slope began the bishop in a solemn serious voice it grieves me to have to find fault it grieves me much to have to find fault with a clergyman but especially so with a clergyman in your position why what have i done amiss my lord demanded mr slope boldly what have you done amiss mr slope said mrs proudie standing erect before the culprit and raising that terrible forefinger do you dare to ask the bishop what you have done amiss does not your conscience mrs proudie pray let it be understood once for all that i will have no words with you ah sir but you will have words said she you must have words why have you had so many words with that signora neroni why have you disgraced yourself you a clergyman too by constantly consorting with such a woman as that with a married woman with one altogether unfit for a clergyman's society at any rate i was introduced to her in your drawing-room retorted mr slope and shamefully you behaved there said mrs proudie 
most shamefully i was wrong to allow you to remain in the house a day after what i then saw i should have insisted on your instant dismissal i have yet to learn mrs proudie that you have the power to insist either on my going from hence or on my staying here what said the lady i am not to have the privilege of saying who shall and who shall not frequent my own drawing-room i am not to save my servants and dependents from having their morals corrupted by improper conduct i am not to save my own daughters from impurity i will let you see mr slope whether i have the power or whether i have not you will have the goodness to understand that you no longer fill any situation about the bishop and as your room will be immediately wanted in the palace for another chaplain i must ask you to provide yourself with apartments as soon as may be convenient to you my lord said mr slope appealing to the bishop and so turning his back completely on the lady will you permit me to ask that i may have from your own lips any decision that you may have come to on this matter certainly mr slope certainly said the bishop that is but reasonable well my decision is that you had better look for some other preferment for the situation which you have lately held i do not think that you are well suited and what my lord has been my fault that signora neroni is one fault said mrs proudie and a very abominable fault she is very abominable and very disgraceful fie mr slope fie you an evangelical clergyman indeed my lord i desire to know for what fault i am turned out of your lordship's house you hear what mrs proudie says said the bishop when i publish the history of this transaction my lord as i decidedly shall do in my own vindication i presume you will not wish me to state that you have discarded me at your wife's bidding because she has objected to my being acquainted with another lady the daughter of one of the prebendaries of the chapter you may publish what you please sir said mrs proudie but you will not be insane enough to publish any of your doings in barchester do you think i have not heard of your kneelings at that creature's feet that is if she has any feet and of your constant slobbering over her hand i advise you to beware mr slope of what you do and say clergymen have been unfrocked for less than what you have been guilty of my lord if this goes on i shall be obliged to indict this woman mrs proudie i mean for defamation of character i think mr slope you had better now retire said the bishop i will enclose to you a cheque for any balance that may be due to you under the present circumstances it will of course be better for all parties 
that you should leave the palace at the earliest possible moment i will allow you for your journey back to london and for your maintenance in barchester for a week from this date if however you wish to remain in this neighbourhood said mrs proudie and will solemnly pledge yourself never again to see that woman and will promise also to be more circumspect in your conduct the bishop will mention your name to mr quiverful who now wants a curate at puddingdale the house is i imagine quite sufficient for your requirements and there will moreover be a stipend of fifty pounds a year may god forgive you madam for the manner in which you have treated me said mr slope looking at her with a very heavenly look and remember this madam that you yourself may still have a fall and he looked at her with a very worldly look as to the bishop i pity him and so saying mr slope left the room thus ended the intimacy of the bishop of barchester with his first confidential chaplain mrs proudie was right in this namely that mr slope was not insane enough to publish to the world any of his doings in barchester he did not trouble his friend mr towers with any written statement of the iniquity of mrs proudie or the imbecility of her husband he was aware that it would be wise in him to drop for the future all allusion to his doings in the cathedral city soon after the interview just recorded he left barchester shaking the dust off his feet as he entered the railway carriage and he gave no longing lingering look after the cathedral towers as the train hurried him quickly out of their sight it is well known that the family of the slopes never starve they always fall on their feet like cats and let them fall where they will they live on the fat of the land our mr slope did so on his return to town he found that the sugar refiner had died and that his widow was inconsolable in other words in want of consolation mr slope consoled her and soon found himself settled with much comfort in the house in baker street he possessed himself also before long of a church in the vicinity of the red road and became known to fame as one of the most eloquent preachers and pious clergymen in that part of the metropolis there let us leave him of the bishop and his wife very little further need be said from that time forth nothing material occurred to interrupt the even course of their domestic harmony very speedily a further vacancy on the bench of bishops gave to dr proudie the seat in the house of lords which he at first so anxiously longed for but by this time he had become a wiser man he did certainly take his seat and occasionally registered a vote in favour of government views on ecclesiastical matters but he had thoroughly learnt that his proper sphere of action lay in close contiguity with mrs proudie's wardrobe he never again aspired to disobey or seemed even to wish for autocratic diocesan authority if ever he thought of freedom 
he did so as men think of the millennium as of a good time which may be coming but which nobody expects to come in their day mrs proudie might be said still to bloom and was at any rate strong and the bishop had no reason to apprehend that he would be speedily visited with the sorrows of a widower's life he is still bishop of barchester he has so graced that throne that the government has been averse to translate him even to higher dignities there may he remain under safe pupilage till the new-fangled manners of the age have discovered him to be superannuated and bestowed on him a pension as for mrs proudie our prayers for her are that she may live for ever chapter fifty one recording by nick whitley purley united kingdom